Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. Also, you can send messages to the show on Twitter at go for again. While you're not on Twitter, give me a follow at go for again. Great show lined up for you today. Expect to be joined by Broncos corner Chris Harris. We're going to talk this disappointing playoff loss for the Broncos against the Ravens a couple weeks back. Get pick uh, get Chris's prediction who he thinks is going to win the Super Bowl. Also, we're going to talk to Rob Jackson, linebacker for the Washington Redskins. He had a big Season, Rob Jackson, big time season. He's going to be a free agent, and he may get paid in this off season. And also, we're going to talk to Falcons guard Justin Blaylock. Talk about his loss against his team's loss, I should say, against the 49ers. He's obviously disappointed, and we're going to talk to him about that. It's got to be frustrating for Justin Blaylock and the Falcons. I mean, last week, you know, the Falcons was a team I had going to the Super Bowl along with the Denver Broncos. That the Falcons and Broncos. In the Super Bowl, and then it's just crazy how the Ravens and that riding that Ray Lewis wave going to Denver and win that ball game, just win it in improbable fashion, a 70-yard touchdown uh, late in that ball game. You also had Trenton Holiday for the Broncos. You gave up two special teams touchdowns, meaning the Ravens. You give up two special teams touchdowns, and you still win the game. That's amazing. That's a that that's just amazing. You uh, you beat Peyton Manning, the hot Broncos, who are on an 11 game win streak, playing big time football, and you somehow some way beat them. It's amazing, totally amazing. And we're going to bring in a guy now who who was a part of that. It was in that ball game, corner for the Denver Broncos, Chris Harris. Chris, how are you, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Oh yeah. Chris, no Chris, can you believe it now? It's kind of hard for me to believe, but can you believe it? it's been a week since, a couple weeks since your loss to the Ravens? Has it really sunk in that you guys are not playing next week? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, been something that, <clears throat> I mean, definitely was sickening and uh, something that we, it's definitely sunk in that we're definitely done. And uh, now I'm just focused on getting ready for next season. Definitely. You guys obviously had a great season. Obviously, 11-game win streak, obviously 13-3, and three, so an impressive season for the Broncos. I, I want to talk about that Raven game for a moment now. Yeah. It was interesting. It seemed like the Ravens targeted Champ Bailey with Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith had a big-time game, two big touchdowns, one of 59, one of 32 yards in that particular game. Were you guys surprised by that? Well, I mean, we knew going into the game that uh, if we can eliminate the receivers, we have a good chance of winning. And, uh, uh, I mean – 
with me on bowling and uh, him the first time we met, he didn't have a catch. And uh, knowing that, I mean, going against us again, I know he. I, I figured they would come at me a lot, and uh, uh, I mean, they came at. They still came at me a lot, and uh, I mean, they just took their shots on champ. And I look at that game, and, and I was saying before you came on. You guys had two special teams touchdowns. Trenton Holiday, he was big time in that particular ball yeah. game. Seeing those two touchdowns, you had to think it was your day after that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, whenever you can score um, twice on a special teams is huge. But, I mean, the teams that go far in the postseason are the teams that don't give the ball away. And uh, I think we lost the turnover battle versus the Ravens. And, uh, I mean, that's the reason why we're at home. And, and, and also another reason you guys possibly are home is – you look at it, the first time you played this team, you did a good job against their offense. This time around, 479 total yards for that team, almost 200 yards more than the first time you met you, you played these guys. What did they do differently offensively? Was it just about the big play? Because they hit you with a lot of big plays. Yeah. No, I would definitely say they came out and they ran the same plays, really. Uh, I mean, they just um, – Tory Smith did a good job of making plays when the ball was in the air. Uh, I mean, they definitely hit us with those those shots. definitely hurt us. And, uh, I mean, we haven't gave up big shots like that um, since um, the Texans game, really. And, uh, I mean, for us to uh, not come out and do what we did during the season really hurt us. We're talking to Broncos corner Chris Harrison. Chris – I mean, obviously a lot of game-changing plays in that ball game against the Ravens. One was the Jacoby Jones 70-yard touchdown. He beat the safety Raheem Moore. Tell us what you saw on that particular play. Well, I'm in the slide. I mean, my job is just to uh, continue to just sink back and get death. And, uh, I mean, I just figured that, uh, I mean, we're in a cover two with three safeties over the top. And, uh, I mean, I just figured that Raheem would just stay over number one and, uh, I mean, he left number one behind him, and, uh, I mean, that's what happens when you let the receiver behind you. Definitely. And and, and what did you say to Raheem Moore after the game? I know he huh? felt bad, but what did you say to him? Did you say anything? No, I didn't say nothing to him. Okay, okay. I mean, I just, I just pretty much just told him, like, uh, you just got to – I mean, bad things are going to happen in the NFL, and, uh, I mean, you're going to get beat. And uh, just just uh, try to encourage him. And, uh, I mean, try to be a good teammate for him and uh, – I mean, uh, I know he's probably he was probably going through it pretty hard, and uh, I just want to kind of just uh, just encourage him. They tied the game at 35 with 31 seconds left. You guys had two timeouts. Were you surprised that you guys and the offense took a knee in that particular uh, situation? Uh, no, uh, in that situation, I think the team was just shocked and uh, kind of uh, frozen right at the, at the time, and it was a good time for us to regroup and um, get our mind back right. Uh, Onto the game, and uh, I mean, I thought I was. I mean, I agree with uh, what Coach did in that situation. And and were you stunned? I mean, how were you feeling when when they hit you with that big touchdown there? Oh, I was definitely stunned. I mean, uh, we worked hard all year long to uh, continue to win in the postseason, and uh, I mean to uh, let the game slip away like that, like we did. I mean, it definitely hurt. We're talking to Broncos corner Chris Harrison. Obviously, the result of the game didn't go in your favor, but the game did go into double overtime. It was a big-time game. You had a player who scored both on the punt and on the kickoff. I mean, double overtime in the playoffs in that particular situation. Was this one of the craziest games you ever played? Definitely. It was definitely one of the, uh, um, one of the craziest games I've ever played in. Uh, I mean, 
just all the obstacles we had to go through and all the obstacles they had to go through. Uh, I mean, it was just definitely a battle. And, uh, I mean, when you got to play uh, almost six, uh, I mean, pretty much six quarters in uh, one degree weather, I mean, it's always tough. <laughs> and talk about the cold. I mean, did it bother you a little bit? How, how rough was it out there? I mean, it really doesn't bother me cause just being a DB. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty much in my zone once I get in the field. But I could definitely say it probably – affect quarterbacks, uh, I mean, with it just being so cold out there and uh, guys, receivers trying to be able to catch the ball out there. But um, it really, I, I wouldn't say it played a, a big effect in the game, though. Did you think Peyton was, was affected by it at all? Uh, I mean, I can. I mean, it's pretty hard to tell. I mean, uh, they usually right. do the same thing they do. I mean, uh, a lot of third and the shorts, we ran the ball more compared to what we usually do. We usually uh, – but I mean, uh, I mean, those cold games, uh, you got to be able to be physical and run the ball on those third and ones, and that's what we didn't do. Chris, I, I heard you say a few weeks back that you were having a hard time sleeping. How you doing in that area? You doing better in that area? You sleeping at night? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sleeping good now. I mean, I've kind of gotten over it and uh, just uh, trying to look on the positive side of uh, us going 13 and three, and um, knowing that we still have a good core and. Uh, have a potential to come out and uh, be right back in the same situation next year. You look at it, you guys made the playoffs last year, got to the same spot, the divisional round. This year you, you lost again in the divisional round, same fate as last year. Last year no one expected you guys to get to the Super Bowl. This year totally different. Everybody expected you to get to the Super Bowl. I just can't say everybody, but a lot of people did. Yeah. Does that make this loss hurt even more, the expectations that you guys had? Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, it seemed like as the season went on, the expectations went even higher. I mean, nobody really knew what was going to happen at the beginning of the season with Peyton being a new being a new quarterback for us and having a lot of new pieces to the team. And, uh, I mean, I, uh, I felt like we had a good season. And, uh, I mean, as a team, you have to go through bad things uh, in order to come out stronger. And I think that was just a learning uh, experience for us as a team. And uh, we should be a lot better next year. Let's look at you, Chris, now. You had three picks, two which you returned for a touchdown. And according to ProFootballFocus.com, you're one of the top corners in the AFC in terms of run support and in terms of coverage. All in all, should Chris Harris have been a pro bowler? I definitely um, think with my stats, uh, I mean, and the versatility that I bring to the game, uh, being able to play safety corner and nickel, I mean, it's not too many DBs that can do that in the league, so I would definitely say yes. So you you felt like you got snubbed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's how the NFL is. You know that uh, you have to do that for multiple years to be able to go to the Pro Bowl. And I, I know since I went undrafted, not a lot of people are going to know me. So uh, I got to put up those same uh, numbers next year, or even better. Now, Chris, you had the stellar season as we talked about. What do you do now in this off season to take that next step to get better and to ultimately go to the Pro Bowl next season? Well, um, I feel like um, I found a, a key to success working out with my trainer in um, Dallas. And, I mean, we do a lot of one-on-one training. And uh, um, he's going to continue to uh, help develop me, and I'm going uh, to continue to work. I mean, I'm only 23 years old, so I still have a lot of improvements to play, uh, make on the uh, field. And, uh, I mean, as as, uh, as you build up your experience in the league, the game just slows down for us. And, uh, and I just expect the game to continue to slow down for me to where I can just continue to process plays and uh, know what's coming my way so I can make the plays. Now, have you started preparing for next season? 
Oh, no, I haven't started yet. Uh, I'm kind of just uh, letting my body get back intact right now and uh, just resting and uh, kind of just um, enjoying the off-season right now. Now, how, how long do you how long do you rest, and how long will it take for you to get back into the gym? Uh, well, my trainer told me um, not don't do anything until February 17th. So he just wants my body just to rest up until then, okay. and then I'll start back getting in the gym. And uh, really, when I get in March, uh, I pretty much get in shape in a week, probably. I mean, because we're doing a lot of working out three times a day, and uh, uh, I mean he's he's working me pretty hard, so. It usually doesn't take too long for me to get back in shape. Must be nice to be 23 years old, man. I mean, wow, you get back into shape that quickly. Must be nice. I wish I was 23 again. Must be nice, man. And, and Chris, we have the Super Bowl uh, next week, Ravens and 49ers. How do you see that one playing out? I mean, with the Ravens, the way they, I mean, how they've won, I've been uh, continuing to win dramatically and, uh, I mean, I got to go with the Ravens. I mean, uh, the way it's been playing out, it just seems like it's meant to be their year, and uh, I definitely think the Ravens can pull it off. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure at this point, but man, I mean, I, I, I like the 49ers. I think, I mean, they have, I think they have better players. Uh, uh, I mean, they're younger. I mean, with Patrick Willis and Bowman at the defensive side, uh, but I mean, the way the the Ravens are playing right now. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat them with the with the way. I mean, with how the game has been going. I look at this Ravens. I see Beyonce. I see Michelle. I see Kelly. Man, I think they may be Destiny's Child. I, I really do. I mean, <laughs> just the way they beat you guys and how they beat you. I mean, seventy-yard touchdown late in the game. I mean, just the, how things have just transpired with this team. I mean. Maybe they are destiny. Maybe God wants the Ravens to win. I don't know. I mean, it's just been crazy how things have just transpired for this ball club. And I, I'm i shocked that they're in the Super Bowl. I really am. I expected them to beat the Patriots, though, but I did not expect them to beat you guys. And I'm shocked. Oh, I mean, I mean, it definitely looked like destiny for them to be here. And, uh, I mean, they definitely put in the work and uh, went out there and got it done. Now, what happens with you now, Chris? I know you, you're launching your foundation in the off season. Tell us about that. Uh, we're going to um, football camp for the military kids, and uh, uh, combining that with uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, I do a lot of events with uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters in the community. And um, uh, oh yeah, back to my football camp, we're throwing in, um, at the Air Force Academy for um, the military kids, and uh, I call those kids my uh, Harris's heroes, and um, just looking forward to uh, giving back to the community. Definitely, you're you you love giving back to the community. You launch your, your foundation this off season, so that's big time. Where can fans find information about some of the great things Chris Harris has going on? Uh, you can uh, find out things on at chrisharrisjr. dot com. You can also follow me on Twitter at chrisharrisjr. and then also on Facebook. Fans. Follow this man. Go to his website, chrisharrisjr.com. Follow this man on Twitter at chrisharrisjr. Support some of the great things Chris Harris has going on. Chris, pleasure having you on, man, again. Yeah. Wish you nothing but the best of luck in the off season. Appreciate you coming on. I know you didn't want to be here at this point, but it is what it is. But I appreciate you coming <laughs> on and talking about it. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Let's do it again. Oh, yeah. Just let me know. All right. Chris Harris, corner, 
for the Denver Broncos. And, you know, I just I, – I, I'm just – I'm almost speechless when it comes to the Ravens in, in this run. I mean, this run is so improbable. You know, you saw Ray Lewis, and this is his last run, his final hurrah, his last hurrah, and they're riding that wave. I mean, they are riding that wave, the wave of Ray Lewis. And this guy, Ray Lewis, I mean, the way he's playing right now, the way the Ravens are playing more so than him, I mean, they're playing inspired football. They're playing inspired football right now. They really are. I mean, this team is just finding ways to get it done. You expected them to beat the Colts. That wasn't a surprise at all. I don't think anyone was surprised that they beat the Colts. That was not that was not a surprise. But when you go into Denver and beat the mighty Denver Broncos, a hot team, the Denver Broncos, an 11-game win streak, 11 Bron- Denver Broncos, the same team that beat you in the regular season, Denver Broncos, I mean, that told me that, you know what, I'm not betting against this, man. I'm not betting against destiny. I'm not going against destiny. They really look like they're destiny's child. I mean, I I, I just see destiny's child right now. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I see destiny's child, but and that's kind of going against where I want to go, I think, with my pick for the Super Bowl. The 49ers are tough. The 49ers, the one thing that was missing with that ball club was a dynamic quarterback. Alex Smith was a game manager. Alex Smith did a great job for the San Francisco 49ers, but Alex Smith took the 49ers as far as he could take them. Colin Kaepernick now is taking this team above and beyond. And on the surface, that would be my pick. I'm telling you right now, that would be my pick. There would be no doubt in my mind in terms of making a pick. My pick would be the San Francisco 49ers in terms of winning the Super Bowl. That would be my pick. Uh, there, There would be nothing... To say it would be a simple pick, a simple prediction. My pick would be the San Francisco 49ers. But you know what? Every time I think about making that pick, I see Ray Lewis dancing. I I, I see that Ray Lewis dance. I, I see Ray Lewis screaming out, "No weapon formed against me shall prosper." I, I I see Ray Lewis on the ground praying. I see Ray Lewis doing all these different things, and I'm saying to myself. Man, this ball club looks like they're Destiny's Child. This ball club has a little Beyonce, has a little Michelle, has a little Kelly in them. This ball club looks like they're Destiny's Child. No weapon formed against this team may not prosper. I mean, the way you beat the Broncos, the way you beat the Broncos, you beat the Broncos in improbable fashion. That, my friends, is truly Truly, truly amazing. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. And we're back. We are back on Go For It. I mean, it was just improbable how the Baltimore Ravens are in the spot that they're in. It's just amazing that the Baltimore Ravens are in the Super Bowl. I'm shocked. 
I, I, I'm just shocked at this point. I mean, now I, I'm not completely shocked. I'm shocked from this point of view. I didn't expect them to beat the Denver Broncos. That's why I'm shocked. That's where my my. That's where it all comes. That's what it comes down to to me. I'm not shocked that they beat the Patriots. I expected them to beat the Patriots. I predicted them to beat the Patriots. But I didn't expect them to beat the Denver Broncos. And I know that's a few weeks back, but I didn't expect it. I didn't expect that at all. That was improbable. That was amazing. And I, I can't believe it. But it is what it is. And you, and you look at this Raven team for the second year in a row. For the second year in a row, they go into to New England. First time. Last year, you look what happened against you look what happened with the uh, against the the Patriots. You look what happened. Lee Evans dropping the ball. Billy Cundiff shanking the field goal there. But anyway, the last two years, Joe Flacco has outplayed Tom Brady. He outplayed him last season, and he outplayed him this year. Joe Flacco talked about in the off season. He's elite. Joe Flacco is up for a big-time contract. He wants to get paid. Well, guess what, Joe? You probably are going to get paid. You probably are going to get paid at this point because you have led your team, the Baltimore Ravens, to a place that no one expected them to be. A lot of people didn't expect the Ravens to be in this position. A lot of people didn't expect the Ravens to be in this position. They're in a position now where they are now one game away, and that is the Super Bowl, from being world champions. World champions. They're that close. They're that close to being world champions. That close. And I'm sitting here stunned in a lot of ways. But after what they did to Denver, I'm not stunned no more. After hearing Ray Lewis yelling, screaming, jumping around, dancing, emphasizing, celebrating, as far as I'm concerned, the Baltimore Ravens may be Destiny's Child. And that's on the surface, just looking at it without looking at Destiny. On the surface, I think you've got to go with the 49ers. On the surface, but you, when you start digging a little deeper now, when, when, when you start looking at now Ray Lewis, the inspiration of Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis's final hurrah, Ray Lewis's final game, Ray Lewis's final playoff run, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis. When you start looking at Ray Lewis, you, you got to say, you know what? That changes things. That's a game changer. That is a game changer. Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis is the game changer as far as I'm concerned. It's a game changer as far as I'm concerned. That's my only issue in terms of figuring out who I think is going to win the Super Bowl. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis, that's it. Ray Lewis. That's my only trepidation in terms of picking against the Ravens. Ray Lewis. And I look at this Raven team. They go into New England. 
Again, a game I expected them to win. They, I expected them to win. And the thing about it is that Ravens defense stepped up in that second half. I mean, the Patriots had 13 at, at the break and didn't score again. And you look at the Niners and Falcons, same deal. They had 24 points at the break, the Falcons, and they didn't score again. Didn't score again. But I look at this game, the Ravens and the Patriots, and the Ravens, Joe Flacco and the Ravens really took control. That Raven defense as well really took control of that second half and just took over that ball game. They took over that ball game. They really did. They played like champions. They said, you know what, we're down at the half, 13-7. It's time to step our play up. It's time to take this ball game over. And they took this game. They, they just went in there and just took this ball game, took it over. They took it over. Joe Flacco was a big reason for that. A lot of play made, plays made by Joe Flacco throughout these playoffs. He's made a lot of plays throughout these playoffs. Three big touchdowns against the Broncos, three big touchdowns against the Patriots. He's been big time. Dare I say elite? I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if we can call Joe Flacco elite just yet. But he's getting close. He's getting pretty close to elite status. He's getting there. He's on his way. He's definitely on his way to elite status. This is a guy who's 8-4 and four in the playoffs. 8-4 and four in the playoffs. 8-4. and 8-4 and four in the playoffs. Six road wins in the playoffs. I mean, that's big time. You went into Peyton Manning's building and you won the game. You went into Tom Brady's building and you won the game. That's impressive. And you beat Andrew Luck in your building, but you beat Andrew Luck, who many believe is the next great thing. And judging by his season, the season that he had Andrew Luck, he probably is one of the next big things. But the Ravens, the Ravens, Joe Flacco and the Ravens, Ray Lewis and the Ravens found the way. Bernard Pierce, not Bernard, but he played big time. But Bernard Pollard, he played even bigger. And how about that big time hit on Stephen Ridley? That was the play of the game. That was the play of the game. That big time hit on Stephen Ridley. Big time hit. That was big. That was the play of the game to me. That was the play of the game. That was a big-time hit. And Stephen Ridley, he, he was all messed up after that. All messed up after that one. All messed up on after that one. And Bernard Pollard, that big-time play, that big-time play, which – Really was the game. Was really was the game. That was a big time play. That was a big time play. And Bernard Pollard, we all know his history with the Patriots. He was the guy who was at the knees of Tom Brady and caused Tom Brady to have that torn ACL. He was big time. And you look at the game. You look at the game. It was twenty-one to thirteen at that point. Still a ball game. Patriots, 
They can drive down the field, score, get the two-point conversion, the game is tied. But Bernard Pollard comes up with that big-time play. The Ravens cash in. Anquan Bolden, how big has he been in these playoffs? Big-time performance against the Colts. He was quiet against the Broncos, but he was big-time against the New England Patriots. He was big-time. He was big-time. This whole Ravens team has has stepped up their play. Stepped up their play. And this was a team that limped into the playoffs. They limped into the playoffs, losing four of their final five games. They were limping in these play, limped into these playoffs. They really did. And that was one of the reasons I was saying, you know what? The way they went into these playoffs, there's no way they're getting into the Super Bowl. There's no way they're going to turn this thing on. Yes, you expected them to beat the Indianapolis Colts. But no, you didn't expect them to beat the Broncos. And many didn't expect them to beat the Patriots. I wasn't one of them. But there were a lot out there who didn't expect them to beat the Patriots. They beat them. And now they're in the Super Bowl. The Harbaugh. Jim and John. Jim and John. And you look at switching to the NFC, you look at the game with the 49ers and Falcons. Falcons jumped out early. 17 and nothing. Falcons in complete control, just like they were against the Seahawks. In complete control. They were in complete control in that game. 17 and nothing. You're saying to yourself, my, 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 the Falcons, it's probably their year. And I thought it was their year, to be honest with you. I thought the Falcons would get to the Super Bowl. I thought it was their time. All the playoff disappointments. I really thought it was their time. Turns out it wasn't. Turns out it wasn't. But Matty Ice got these boys off to a great start. And then the 49ers charged back. I mean, they charged back. Colin Kaepernick against the Packers. He ran up and down the field on that ball club. This time around against the Falcons, he threw the ball. It was effective throwing the ball. Very effective. And you look at both of these teams, the Ravens and the 49ers, both of these teams had to make tough decisions. Ravens had to fire their offensive coordinator, Cam Cameron. They installed Jim Caldwell as their offensive coordinator. 49ers made a big-time decision, a decision I was against. I was against. I I wanted to play it safe. Let's go with Alex Smith, the safe bet. The 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, Alex Smith a year ago. The Alex Smith that may not help you in terms of explosive plays, but the Alex Smith that will never hurt you in terms of turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, things of that nature. He protects the football, Alex Smith. He protected the football for the 49ers last year and was protecting the football pretty well this year. But again, again, you look at it, Jim Harbaugh made the the, the big-time decision to change quarterbacks, and Colin Kaepernick has not let him down. Colin Kaepernick has been big-time. He's proven that he can win anywhere. He went into New England and beat Tom Brady. He went into Atlanta and beat Matty Ice. So he's proven. He is a proven quarterback. Every time we say, okay, it's the playoffs, will Colin Kaepernick finally make some big-time mistakes on this big stage? He didn't. In the divisional round, he didn't. Okay? We go to the conference championship game. This time he's going to Atlanta. Is this the time Colin Kaepernick finally 
plays like a young quarterback. Um, no, he didn't. He was big time in that game. He brought his team back from a 17 to nothing deficit. His team was down 17 to nothing, and he came back. Now the question is, will the Super Bowl, will that stage be too big for Colin Kaepernick? Judging by what we've seen so far, and the Super Bowl is a whole different animal. It's another stage, a bigger stage. But judging by what we've seen so far, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think there's a stage too big for this guy. He's proven that there is no stage too big for him. None. None. And I thought the biggest play in that game, the biggest uh, play or the biggest drive in that particular ball game was when, after the Chris Culliver interception, you had David Akers miss the 38-yard field goal. Doink. Off the cross. Uh, off the – it was just a doink. Just a doink. Did the big old doink. And then after that, after that, the Falcons were driving – and it looked like they were they were going to at least get some kind of points, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. And then Matty Ice had, fumbles the snap, fumbles the shotgun snap. That was big. That was big. That, to me, changed that game. That was big to me. Because I think if the, the Falcons score there, I'm saying to myself, you know what? They may put this game away at that point if they can score there, but they weren't able to do it. And the Niners defense stepped up. And then you had the 49ers, you had Crabtree fumbling at the goal line. And you're saying to yourself, okay, will the Falcons hold them off? And you're also saying to yourself, is this Kyle Williams revisited? Niners making big-time mistakes at the wrong time. Is this Kyle Williams revisited? And then they stepped up. They stepped up. And they stepped up, and they ultimately took the lead, 28-24. to 24. But even still, even when they took the lead, I'm saying to myself, okay, Falcons were in this position last week against the Seahawks where they lost the big lead. Matty Ice, boom, to Harry Douglas. Matty Ice, boom, to Tony Gonzalez. Matt Bryant kicks the field goal. Falcons get to the conference championship game. And you saw the Falcons moving the ball, moving the ball, moving it down, moving it down. And then Matty Ice, Gets hit hard, hit hard by Navarro Bowman, and then ultimately his shoulder was messed up, and ultimately the 49ers were able to hold, and ultimately the 49ers were able to get to the Super Bowl. Kudos to the 49ers. When we come back, we're expected to be joined by Rob Jackson of the Washington Redskins. Stick and stay. It's go for it, Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. We are back. And on the line now is a guy who had a big-time year for the Washington Redskins. I mean, this was a Washington Redskins team left for dead at one point. 
three and six coming off the bye, and you're saying to yourselves, now the Redskins are preparing for next year. Seven games later, they made it to the playoffs, and one of the reasons they are in the playoffs is this man, this man who had a big-time interception against Tony Romo, which ultimately clinched that game and ultimately led to the Redskins winning the NFC East. Let's bring him in now, linebacker for the Washington Redskins, Rob Jackson. Rob, how are you, man? How are you, Rob? I'm, I'm doing good, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. We had a little technical difficulties there. We got that cleared up. And, and Rob, let's get right down to it. You guys were up against up against the Seahawks, fourteen and nothing. Momentum completely on your side. Ultimately, Seattle will come back, take the lead, and ultimately win the game. Do you feel like all in all, you let one slip away? Um, yeah, I felt like we did. I felt like we did. You know, I felt like if we, you know, played the whole game, um, you know, we were able to, we would be able to win, and we were able to go back to Atlanta and uh, get a rematch, get a rematch there. But you know, it didn't happen that way. So you know, all we can do is move forward and try not let it happen again next year. And what was the reason? Looking back at that game. What was the key moment or the key reason why the Seahawks were able to win that game? Uh, RG3. I mean, RG3 wasn't 100%. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, they took advantage of that. Um, their defense put our defense in some bad situations with, you know, takeaways, things like that. Uh, you know, RG3 couldn't get couldn't, uh, plant, his, plant his foot and get accurate throws and, and things like that. So, I mean, it was just a combination of everything. You know, defense, you know, it could have been there's a couple of plays. You know, we had a couple of mental busts and things like that. Um, I mean, it all just started falling apart, you know, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It started to catch up with us. And I, and I agree with you, to be honest with you. I think if RG3 was completely healthy in that game, I think you guys would have advanced. I mean, you were up 14 and nothing. Your offense was moving the ball up and down the field against that, that Seattle defense. And, you guys look good defensively. I thought you played good enough to win, but ultimately, RG3 being hurt, the, you guys weren't able to muster up any drives, and ultimately Seattle was able to to score, and ultimately they were able to win the game. Looking back at that particular game, looking back at the situation with RG3, everybody has their opinions. Some believe he should have been taken out of the game. Some say he should have finished the game. Looking back on that whole situation, do you think the coaches handled the game handled RG3 the right way? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, they didn't. Nobody really knew how severe, severe the injury was. You know, he he was gimping and you know, definitely not looking like himself. But uh, you know, he's a competitor. You know, he, we we win with him, and you know, we're gonna lose with him. Uh, right. Everybody know he did, he didn't want to come off the game. You know, no matter what was going on. And uh, being a head coach, you know, you start a quarterback, the guy that you that 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 got you to this point. If he says he wants to play and he's good enough to go, that's 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 a hard decision for you to make. So, I mean, I felt like if I was in if I was in Shanahan's shoes, you know, I'd have did the same. Right. You know, it, it saw saw him play and made the decision on my own. But if he wanted to go back in, you know, I would have let him. But you know, as 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 the game progressed, and I would have saw you know him do things that he don't usually do. Then you know, I probably would have pulled him later on. But I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have went about things any different. And it was a tough decision. I mean, RG3 was a gamer. RG3 is the reason you guys were in the position that you're in. So as far yeah. as I'm concerned, I, it, I don't think there's a right decision there. I, I really don't think there truly was a right decision there. No, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's 
and it's easy to point the point the finger, you know, because because of the simple fact that, you know, we didn't end up winning the game, and you know the, the head coach is gonna take the blame for it. But I mean, that's that, that's tough. That's a tough decision. Have you spoken to RG three since his surgery? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. Well, I've okay. tweeted him a couple times. You know, he's, he's saying he's doing good. He's uh, you know, the surgery is good and everything. But I haven't, you know, talked to him personally or face to face or on the phone or anything like that. So. Now, Rob, I mean, previous years the Redskins have been struggling, and one of the reasons they've been struggling is a lack of a big-time quarterback. I mean, no offense to Rex Grossman, John Beck, or any other previous Redskins quarterback, but RG3 is big-time. Talk about the shift in culture in Washington with RG3 as the quarterback. Oh, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's been crazy this past year. You know, it's been my, it's my fifth year there, and, you know, uh, the other four years was nothing like this year. Everybody, everybody's been excited all year long. You know, we've had a lot of people showing up to the uh, home games at the hotel, which we haven't had in previous years. And I mean, the energy was just great there this year. And you know, he's a he's a he's a great guy to watch. You know, they they gave up a lot for him, so you know, he came in with you know a lot of pressure and things like that. And he handled it well. He stepped up to the plate, and uh, he made the plays we needed to get to the point we were at. We're talking to Redskins linebacker Rob Jackson. Talk about RG3, the leader. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback stepping on the scene there, and it seemed like he was control in control of the team. He was one of the leaders. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's a natural leader. You know, regardless if he's a rookie or if he's a vet or anything, you know, he's he's been a leader ever since he, he's came to Redskins Park. You know, he took it upon himself to introduce himself individually to each guy and, you know, to, to to pretty much put the pressure on him. Like, you know, he made a statement before he even got on the field, like, you know, I'm this is my team, you know, I'm gonna carry the team, win, lose or draw, you know, put the team on my back. And, you know, he, he went out there and showed that. So I mean a lot of guys respected him before he even took a snap in the NFL just by the way he carried himself and the way he went about things. And, you know, the way he played on Sundays just backed everything he said and did, you know, up. And you look at you guys now, at one point in the season, you were three and six going into the bye. Many were talking about next season. What happened from that point on? I mean, you guys finished the season 7-0. and Ultimately, you will win the NFC East and make the playoffs. But what happened? What what changed? Uh, it, it sounds cliche, but, I mean, we took it we took it game by game. Literally took it game by game. Um And before you, before you knew it, we, we were playing for the NFC Conference Championship. You know, we started playing – playing for each other, playing together, you know, we started winning. Along with winning comes confidence. So, you know, once once we started winning and it felt like, you know, we were at our peak and we were playing the way we were supposed to be playing, you know, it started to become natural. Like, we, we started to, to know what to do in different situations, uh, in overtime games. We would play, uh, went to overtime and bought with Baltimore. And, uh, I mean, we just knew what, what had to be done to, to win a game. And I think that's all we needed to do is to, you know, play all 60 minutes, and uh, win the tough ones. And this was a, a big-time breakout year for you now, Rob. I mean, you take over for Brian Arakpo. You had four and a half sacks, four interceptions, two forced fumbles. All in all, what was the difference for you this time, this year? What was the difference? Uh, everything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> from, uh, from, from, from my role in, in the team and uh, the snaps, um, reps, looking at, seeing different things. Uh, covering, I mean, it's just, it's pretty much the reps, man. You know, it's, it's good to get Mr. Raspberry nothing like getting actual reps, game reps. 
I think along with that came with, you know, confidence in myself and my ability, and, you know, I got comfortable. Right. So so was it, was it really all about just getting an opportunity pretty much? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Okay. I mean, I, I started to get the defense down. You know, I had the defense down for a couple of years now. So it was all about, you know, just, just me getting the opportunity, and, you know, uh, being able to showcase what I'm able to do and, uh, you know, get it done. And, Rob, throughout the course of this season, you had a knack for big plays. You had a pick six against the Bengals. But one of your biggest plays, and I talked about before we brought you on, was that interception against the Cowboys. How special was that moment for you? Oh, that was real special. That was real special. I mean, I was just going back to the Thanksgiving game when, you know, we had them 28-7 at halftime, and, you know, they end up throwing for 300, 400 yards or whatever in the second half, you know, just coming back on us. So, I mean, I knew it was possible. I knew what Roma was capable of in that type of situation. And, uh, you know, it was a great play call by Harris. He put us all in the right positions, the the, the A-gap blitz, and uh, me peeling on the running back. And I felt like that was his only, you know, read that he had to go to before the before the pressure got to him. So, I mean, it was a great play and, and, and a great play by, by me and Perry Riley getting the pressure on Romo. It all came together. Great play by you, great call by the defense, and ultimately you guys will go on and win the NFC East. We're talking to Redskins linebacker Rob Jackson. And now, Rob, you're going to be a free agent in this offseason. With the type of year that you had, you're probably going to get a raise. Seeing what they built in Washington is your first choice to stay in D.C.? Uh, ultimately, I would like to, you know what I mean, just because I've been there for a while. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. And, you know, the Redskins are going to do its best for, you know, the organization, and i got to do its best for me and my family. So, uh, you know, they got decisions to make, and I can just, you know, sit back and, and wait and see, you know, what the future holds for me. Get paid, Rob. Get that money. Get that yeah, money. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Rob, we talked about it, your tremendous year the four-and-a-half sacks, the four picks, the two forced fumbles. What do you do now in this offseason to take that next step, to get better in 2013? Uh, well, you know, I got, I got to prepare to play, you know, every defensive snap in the game. I'm, I, I, you know, last offseason, you know, I, I was going into, you know, being a backup and being a special teams player. So, you know, I'm just going to have to be in the best shape that, I, that I've been, that I've been in, you know, going into this year. And, you know, wherever I end up at, I just want to make sure, you know, I'm going to be in the best shape, you know, physically, mentally, and, you know, everything I need to do to get to that next right, level. Right, right. And have you started training or are you, are you taking this time to rest? Oh, my, I, I started already. I started already. Okay. You know, I started, you know, eating right, working out, doing all the things I need to do. So, you know, come April when we have to go back for all season workouts, you know, it's just going to be added, you know, already be in good shape and, you know, just keep, you know, just keep building from there. We're talking to Redskins linebacker Rob Jackson. Rob, next week it's the Super Bowl. You have the Ravens, you have the 49ers. You guys played the Ravens this season. You beat the Ravens. But all in all, how do you see the Super Bowl playing out? Who wins? Uh, it's it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game. But I'm going to have to go with Baltimore. I'm going to have to go okay. with Baltimore. You know, they're riding high. Not saying San Francisco's not. But, you know, I feel like they got a lot to play for right now. You know, with Ray Lewis, great leader. And, uh, you know, Flacco's on the money right now. I, th- I think that's just not a good team to play right now is uh, Baltimore Ravens. So it'll be a good one. We'll see. Now, we look, we, we're watching Ray Lewis. I mean, it almost seems like it's destiny 
for the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. Are, are you sensing that as well? Yeah, see, yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I mean, you never know. You never, <laughs> you never know. I mean, it, it, it may, may feel like it's destiny for them to win, but, you know, San Fran might come out with a chip on their shoulder and, you know, blow them away. But, you know, who knows? It'll be a good game, definitely. It'll be a good, real good Super Bowl. And as we said, you guys played the Ravens and beat the Ravens. What does the 49ers have to do to beat the Ravens? Uh, they got to play good defense. They got to play good yeah. defense. Um, you know, and they get in the red zone. They got to they got to make they got to make Baltimore settle for three, because you know Baltimore got a got a real good defense, and you know they're not going to give up a lot of points. So, you know, you just got to match their intensity and match whatever your defense does. You know, the defense is just going to be they have to make it a defensive game. And uh, I feel like if if San Fran does that, you know, they should be in good shape. You know, Kaepernick, he's a big play guy. Uh, you know, he gave him a couple big plays, and the defense is, is fundamentally sound. You know, they should come out with it. Now, after you guys lost to the Seahawks, was at that point you said to yourself, I'm not watching any more football, or did you continue to watch? Uh, actually, that, that following uh, week, I didn't watch, you know, Seattle and, and Atlanta game. I actually didn't watch it. You know, it was still kind of hard. You know, I still dwell on the loss because I felt like we were that close and we definitely still had a chance of winning that game. So you know, it was kind of tough, but you know, after that, you know, I got over it. I'm, I'm, I moved on now. Have you watched that game again? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't watched that game again. Okay, okay. And do you plan on watching it at some point? Um, nah, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. <laughs> Rob, you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Uh, Rob Jax, R-O-B-J-A-X-50. You're also on Facebook. Where can fans connect with you on Facebook? Uh, same thing, R-O-B-J-A-X-50. Fans connect with this man, Rob Jax, 50. He's about to get paid in this offseason. He is a free agent, whether it's with the Redskins or someone else. Rob Jackson is about to get paid. I'm going to hit you up in April for a loan. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how much I make, man. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing yeah, but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Thanks. Appreciate it. Rob Jackson, linebacker for the Washington Redskins. I mean, the Redskins had a big time here, and Rob Jackson's one of the reasons they had a big time here. He made a lot of big time plays. A lot of big time plays for the Redskins this season. And you remember that game against the Cowboys. That was the clincher. That pick against Roma was the clincher. That was the ball game. Rob Jackson was big time for the Redskins this year. Rob Jackson had a big time season. He's going to get paid somewhere. He is going to get paid somewhere. Four and a half sacks, four picks, two forced fumbles. Rob Jackson's going to get an opportunity, whether it's with the Redskins or someone else. He's going to get paid. He's definitely going to get paid. Pleasure having Rob on again. Follow this man on Twitter, RobJacks50. Follow him on Facebook as well and support some of the great things Rob Jackson has going on. Support, 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 support. Switching gears now to the NBA. Well, actually, before we get to the NBA, let me talk about Manti Teo. Let me talk about Manti Teo. Yesterday, we thought that that voice, or the, on the voicemail who we were talking to Manti Teo, we thought it was Tuiasa Sopo, Renaya 
Tuiasa Sopo. Now we hear it may be a cousin of Tuiasa Sopo who was on that on that tape. And I l- listened to the tape. I listened to the voicemails that he played on Katie Couric's show. And to me, that wasn't a dude. That was a female. I, I-, I thought that was a female. I-, I really did. I didn't sound like a-, a-, a male's voice. If it did, whoever's voice it was, whoever male voice it was, whether it was Tuiasa Sopo, meaning Renaya, Tuiasa Sopo, he's good. He's good if that was him. But anyway, it sounded... Like a girl. Too much like a girl. It had to be a girl. This was this is strange. This is weird. This is crazy, man. I mean uh, Man Titeo is the big man on campus. Man Titeo. The runner up in the Heisman voting. Man Titeo. That man Titeo plays at Notre Dame. Plays at Notre Dame, why does he need to go to Facebook to get girls? Why? Why? It doesn't make sense. This whole story is just so just not making sense. But as I, I as I continue to listen, I, I'm starting to think maybe he wasn't in this from the beginning, but maybe at some point he latched on with it. I don't know. I mean, can you be that naive? Can anyone be that naive? Can you be naive where you... I mean, in this day and age of Skype, in this day and age of of, of FaceTime and everything, how could you not see this woman? And how could you fall madly in love with someone that you've never seen before? You've never seen her before. You've never seen her before. You have no idea. You've seen pictures, but pictures don't always tell the true story. I mean, if you're in love with this person, madly in love with this person, if this person is the love of your life, as he said, the love of your life, You don't want to see the love of your life. You don't want to see the love of your life. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why do you not want to see the love of your life? Why, why, why do you not want to see the love of your life? And then, yeah, yesterday, Katie Couric asked him, man, Titeo, when speculation was that the voice on the voicemail was a male, he flat out asked man Ty Teo if he was gay. Teo denied it. But you look at it, I mean, if the voice on the phone was Tuiasa Sopo, then maybe you can make that argument that that's what man Ty Teo truly was hiding, his sexuality. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it just, it just, keeps getting crazier and crazier by the day. And everything, every day, something new comes out. Something new comes out every single day. Something different, something crazier comes out each and every day. I mean, you're at the edge of your seat trying to figure out what is going on. What is going on? What is what? What is real? 
what is real? Because Man Titeo, he fell in love with an image. He fell in love with, I don't know, no one. He fell in love with, I guess, Renaya Tuiasasopo. I guess that's who he fell in love with. Because he didn't fall in love with Lene Kakua because she ain't real. I just don't understand how. I'll give you a perfect example. I'll give you a perfect example. I go to my life. The my uh, the woman who is my wife now. At one point, we had a. She was two hours away. I was in Connecticut. She was in New York. Two hours away. Um, so we, you know, obviously two hours away. You're not seeing that person every day. I saw her on weekends. I made it my business to go see her on weekends. I made it my business to go see her on weekends. And granted, I know he's in Indiana at Notre Dame and she's in L.A. or in California. And granted, there's a little bit more of a distance than New York and Connecticut. But still, if you're in love with someone, if you love someone, if you're in love with someone, she is the love of your life, she makes you so happy, you enjoy her company, she makes you so happy. If you're that much in love with someone, you're going to find a way to see them. You're going to find a way to see them. You're, you're going to see that person. You're going to at least try to see them. You're going to have to try to, you're, you're, obviously you're going to try to go see them. Obviously. Obviously. You're going to go try to see that person. And granted, the trip I had to make was only two hours away. His trip is much longer than mine. His trip is much longer than mine. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you really, really are in love with someone, if this person makes you so happy, if this person makes you feel good, if this person keeps you up late at night talking for almost eight hours at a time, as you said, if this person makes you do all those things, then as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, you would go find a way to see that person. person who was suffering from a leukemia, allegedly. A person who got into a car accident, allegedly. A person, well, not allegedly, because she didn't get into the car accident, because she's not real. But if you are in love with someone, this person is the love of your life, you will find a way to go see them. I understand she told you she didn't want you to come to her funeral. But as I said last week, I'll say it again. You could have at least seen her grave. You could have went to her tombstone and laid some flowers there. You could have. You could have. You could have done something. You could have done something. But you didn't. You didn't. I also know at one point in this interview, you had the opportunity to see her, I believe in San Diego, or, or something to that fact, and he didn't do it. He didn't do it. I mean, I just don't know how you can be this naive. I don't understand it. I understand you're a big-time football player, and sometimes that doesn't always equate to being a big-time, having big-time smarts and having big-time street smarts. I understand you're a Mormon, so maybe you lived a life that you weren't used to these type of things. I don't know. Maybe you're afraid of women, 
So you enjoy this type of relationship. I don't know. I don't know. But this is odd. It's weird behavior. It's very weird behavior for guys, especially a, a, a big-time college football player like himself, to have this type of relationship, knowingly or, or unknowingly. It's just weird. From from my standpoint, I know we're in a different age in terms of Internet dating, in terms of all that, but I don't know. Something just is not right with this story, and something may just not be right with Manti Teo. But I'll say this. I will say this, and I'll say this when I come back. You're listening to Go For It. That's the second hour of Go For It. Starts right now. And in this hour, we will be joined by Justin Blaylock of the Atlanta Falcons. In that first hour, we had Chris Harris of the Denver Broncos and also Rob Jackson of the Washington Redskins. In this hour, as I said before, we're going to be joined by Justin Blaylock of the Atlanta Falcons. I want to go back to Manti Teo for a second now. And I got to get off of it because I want to move on to the Lakers and get my thoughts on the Lakers and that just catastrophe at this point in L.A. But... I want to go back to Manti Te, and I want to go to on the field. And in terms of on the field, if I'm a GM in the in the NFL and I have an opportunity at Manti Teo, and I believe that he is big time, I believe that he can get it done at the highest of levels, and if, if I believe that he could be one of the better linebackers in this game for years to come, no matter what happens here, what has what has happened, I'm drafting him. If I believe he can ball. I'm drafting him. If I believe he can play, I'm drafting him. That's the bottom line. That's it at the end of the day. I don't care what he did. I don't care if he had an online relationship. I don't care if he had a fake relationship. I don't care if he made this whole thing up. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. If you can play, man, Titeo, and I'm an NFL GM, I'm drafting you. I'm drafting you. Point blank, bottom line. If you can play, I'm drafting you. That's it. If I feel like you can play, if I feel like you can get it done on the next level, I am drafting. Bottom line, nothing else to be said. Let's move on from this crazy, crazy story. And let's go to another uh, crazy story. Well, not necessarily a crazy story to that degree, but let's go to the NBA and look at the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, for anyone, if you told me, if you would have came to me, knocked on my door, um, or hit me up on Facebook, or hit me up on Twitter, any of those places, you told me to my face that the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, after 42 games, would be 17-25, and 25, would be four games out of the eighth spot in the Western Conference, would be the 12th-seeded team in the Western Conference, would be only one and a half games up on the Sacramento Kings in the Western Conference. I would tell you you're crazy. I would tell you you have problems. I would tell you that you need to sit on the couch next to Manti Teo. Because as far as I'm concerned, 
I didn't expect the Los Angeles Lakers to be 17 and 25. I didn't. Ex- this is the halfway point of the season. We keep saying every week it's too early. It's too early. It's too early. It's too early. It's not early no more. It is. It's. It's. It's starting to get. It's still sort of early, but it's starting to get to a point now, as Bill Parcells would say, where you are, you are what you are. It's getting to that point now, where it's time to say, you are what you are. You are 17 and 25 at the midway point of the season. You are what you are. You are what you are. And as far as I'm concerned, I look at this Laker team. You're wondering now, they made the switch from Mike Brown to Mike D'Antoni. Is this team better off with Mike Brown? Because they haven't been good with Mike D'Antoni. They're not defending. They're not defending. This team is not defending. Are you surprised? Mike D'Antoni coaches this team. That's not a surprise. 26 and points allowed. 26. 26 in points allowed. They're scoring 102 points a game, but they're giving up 101. Scoring 102, but giving up 101. This Laker team. This Laker team. As far as I'm concerned. This Laker team. And I... I, Against my better judgment now, I think it's time to put in perspective what this team is. This team may not make the playoffs. And I think it's time to start saying that. I I, I think it's time for us to start saying that the Lakers may not make the playoffs. They may not make the playoffs. And that's shocking. This team had championship aspirations, championship dreams and hopes. And now the talk is whether or not the Lakers will actually make the playoffs. Here are the, here are the teams in front of them. Dallas, 18-24. and 24. They could surpass the Mavericks. They really could. They really could surpass the Mavericks. Minnesota, 17-22. A lot of injuries. Kevin Love is going again with his hands. So that's a team they could surpass. Portland, 21-21. and 21, The ninth-seeded team in the Western Conference. Portland is probably going to stick around there. They're going to be around that mark in terms of 500, if not a little better than 500. Houston, 22-22, and 22, the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Houston's a team that's been up and down throughout the course of this year. They've been up and down. They've been up and down team. Been very up and down. Got off to a decent start. Struggled a little bit in between. Then got off to had a nice little run again, and now they're struggling again. So Houston's been up and down this season, been an up and down team, the Houston Rockets. I mean, at one point had a five-game winning streak in December, had another five-game winning streak in, from December into January, and then they come back from January 9th to January 19th, they go on a seven-game losing streak. So this team has been up and down, streaky ball club, up and down. But the Lakers... Theoretically, I think they can surpass the Rockets as well. I'm not ready or prepared, and I, I'm not prepared to, to, to say the Lakers won't make the playoffs. I can't do it. 
with all that talent on that roster, Steve Nash, Bynum, not Bynum, Dwight Howard, Kobe, Gasol, the list goes on and on. Metal World Peace is big time. Jameson, I mean, Metal World Peace is not what he used to be, but he's still a solid player. I'm not prepared to say this team won't make the playoffs. I can't say that at this point because of what the talent, the talent that they have and because of the teams that are in front of them are, are not consistent teams. But I will say this. They got to start turning it on at some point. But this is a team with the talent that they have that could reel off five, six, seven, eight games in a row. They can do it with that talent. They can do it with that the type of talent that they have. The question becomes now, what do you do? And can it get better? That part, I'm not so sure, especially with this coach. This coach has proven that he can adjust. It's either his way or no way. Ask Carmelo Anthony in the New York Knicks. It's either his way or no way. It's either his way or no way. That's the way it's been for Mike D'Antoni. His way or no way. Only way to do it is his way, the Mike D'Antoni way. And I look at this Laker ball club and compare it to some of the teams that Mike D'Antoni has had in the past. Mike D'Antoni had his most success with the Phoenix Suns. His best team was the 2004-2005 Phoenix Suns. This was a team 62-20. and 62-20. and 20. Had a big-time year. A big-time year. Had the best record in the Western Conference at 62-20. and 20. This was a team now built totally different than this Laker team. A team now that was predicated on Nash, the pick-and-roll with Stoudemire. Joe Johnson was big. He lit you up from downtown. Jim Jackson had a decent year for them, but Barbosa, Quentin Richardson was big time from downtown. This was a team that shot the three ball and was very effective shooting the three ball. And this was a team that didn't have the same type of size that the Lakers have in terms of Dwight Howard and Powell Gasol. So it was a different type of team. And Mike D'Antoni's system, a lot of times, is small ball. It's a small ball type system. You see, he put Gasol to the bench. The reason for that, reason for that, his system is not predicated on those two bigs. He's not predicated on those guys. Those guys don't do what Stoudemire did. Stoudemire was able to get up and down the court for the Phoenix Suns in his heyday. He got up and down the court. Joe Johnson, he was big time that year. Their center, Stephen Hunter, he was a guy, a gazelle, that got up and down the court. So this team is Sean Marion up and down the court. This team, small ball. They played a lot of small ball. And Mike D'Antoni had the most success as a coach with this team. This team probably should have gotten to the probably should have gotten to the NBA finals. May have gotten there. May have gotten there. I know Joe Johnson was hurt in that series. That was big. That was big. But this team this team, yes, they scored a lot. This 2004-2005 Suns, 62-20 and 20 Suns, Mike D'Antoni's best year as a coach. They scored a lot. I mean, they were first in points at 110 points during that year, but they were 30th in points allowed at 103 points per game, similar to what's going on now. And you look at their lineup. 
Steve Nash was the point guard. Quentin Richardson was the shooting guard. Joe Johnson was the small forward. Sean Marion was your power forward. Small power forward. Smallish power forward. Sean Marion. He was the power forward for the Suns in that particular year. And Amari Stoudemire was the center. So you look at this team, it was a small team. They played small ball. They got up and down the court. They shot the three ball like no other. And they were a smallish type of team. Compare that to this Laker team. Compare that Compare that to this Laker team. This Laker team now, Dwight Howard, Pau Gasol, it's a big team. It's a big team. Dwight Howard doesn't get up and down the court the way Stoudemire did. Gasol doesn't get up and down the court the way Sean Marion did. They just don't. They just don't. And Steve Nash, oh, he was a lot younger then. Eight years ago, he's 30 years old, in his prime. He was in his prime, Steve Nash was. He was in his prime during that time. He was in his prime. He was in his prime. And he's not that same type of player no longer. He's 38 years old. He's only going to get older. He's not getting younger. He's not getting younger. He's not. He's not getting younger. Kobe is not getting any younger. Dwight Howard is not changing his game. Gasol is not changing his game. So as far as I'm concerned, the way the Lakers are presently constructed, they have to make a decision. It's either the coach or it's either Gasol or Howard. It's either the coach or Gasol and Howard. Last time I checked, Mike D'Antoni has a three-year deal. Could be, could be four years, three or four year deal for Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni has a four year deal with the Lakers. A four year deal. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Four year deal. He's not going anywhere. So the thing about it, the thing about it, it's either Gasol, Howard, you're going to have to make a decision there. Who's going to go? Or it's got to be the coach. Howard's not happy with the system. He's griping. He's complaining. They had a team meeting, players-only meeting. Everybody aired their gripes out. I guess they're all good. We'll see. Howard wants to move on. Howard wants to get focused moving forward, wants to stop complaining, wants to get his mind right, and wants to get going. Wants to get going. Howard said today that the negativity around the Lakers must stop. Well, when you're 17 and 25, and many expected you to be at the top of the Western Conference, many of you, many of you expected, expected, expected the Lakers to win. Many of you, of you expected the Lakers to win. Many of you, including myself. I guess I'm guilty, right? I expected the Lakers to win. So when you're 17 and 25, when you're playing bad basketball, when you're not defending, there's going to be negativity. This is the Los Angeles Lakers, just like the Boston Celtics. These are big-time franchises, big-time, big-time, big-time franchises, big-time. Big-time franchises. 
And, and the Lakers are struggling. The Celtics are struggling. Both of the, 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 the hallmark franchises in basketball are struggling. They're struggling. And Amelo G says in the chat room that the New York Knicks is what it's all about. It's all about the New York Knicks. Well, New York Knicks are playing some good basketball. Yes, the New, New York Knicks beat the Boston Celtics last night. And yes, Raymond Felton is back on his way back. And the Knicks are big time. They're playing some big time basketball right now. They got off to a great start, struggling a little bit right now, but they got off to a great start. Got off to a great start. But the thing is this with the Knicks. Can you say at this point, January 25th, 2013, that the New York Knicks could beat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series? I can't say that. I'm not prepared to say that. I won't say that. I won't say that. It's just I can't say that. I can't say that. I won't and I can't say it. The Miami Heat are still the class of the Eastern Conference. They're still the class of the Eastern Conference. Do I think the Knicks can give the Miami Heat a tough series? Yes, I do. But do I think when it's all said and done, could the Knicks beat the the Miami Heat in a seven-game series? Even though the Heat are struggling right now, not playing the type of defense they played a year ago, not playing the same type of ball they played a year ago. A seven-game series. Could the Knicks beat the Heat in a seven-game series? And I think my answer is simply no. No. LeBron James is still LeBron James. Dwayne Wade is still Dwayne Wade, even though some believe he may have lost the step. Let's see what happens. The talk is Dwayne Wade is still a little banged up. So I, I, I'm not prepared to say he lost the step. I'm prepared to say he's a little banged up. And you still have Chris Bosh. So as far as I'm concerned, the Miami Heat, there's no team I've seen in the Eastern Conference that can beat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series. Could the Knicks give the Heat a tough series? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. They could give the Knicks a tough series. But, but, could they beat, could the Knicks beat the Heat in a seven-game series? I don't think so. And I want to go back to Dwight Howard for a second. He had some quotes. He said, the negativity just got to stop. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of hearing about all the negative stuff. It's a big problem. Negativity is just not good. We've got to bring some positivity to this situation, to everybody. Those are the words of Dwight Howard. Those are the words of Dwight Howard. Well, Dwight as I said before, as I said before, you are the 12th seeded team in the Western Conference at this point. And last I checked, only eight teams make the playoffs. Only eight teams make the playoffs. Only eight. Only eight. Not 12. Only eight teams make the playoffs, Dwight. And your team is on the outside looking in. Also, when it comes to you, I know you're struggling with that back a little bit. I know you're not 100%. I know. It shows. You're not 100%. But you got to be all in, man. You got to be all in. You got to find a way to work with Kobe. You got to find a way. 
You got to find a way. You got to. You got to find a way to work with Kobe Bryant. Kobe's a tough guy to play with. He is. He is. But at the end of the day, it's his team. You got to find a way to play with him. Somehow, some way, you got to find a way to play with Kobe Bryant. You got to. You got to. Now, in terms of Dwight Howard, here's the reality of it. And I, and I talked about this. This whole thing with the Lakers could really blow up. I mean, they gave four draft picks away to the Suns. I don't think they're lottery-protected draft picks. So if the Lakers were to go into the lottery, right, the Suns, who's already, who already going to be in the lottery, Suns will be in the lottery. They're going to be in the lottery. The Suns will be in the lottery. That's a definite. They could get the Lakers pick as well because the Lakers are probably, if they don't make the playoffs, and it's looking more and more like the Lakers may not make the playoffs. But at the same time, at the same time, at the same time, I cannot go against Dwight Howard, Kobe, Gasol, and Steve Nash. There's too much talent there. And say what you want to say about Mike D'Antoni. He's a good coach. Is he a great coach? Is he Phil Jackson? No. And you had an opportunity at Phil Jackson. You had an opportunity at the best of the best. The creme of la creme. You had an opportunity at the best. And Phil Jackson. And you chose Mike D'Antoni. That is something that falls. Uh, that's, the blame goes to Jim Buss. You've decided that Mike D'Antoni was the right fit for this team. Mike D'Antoni doesn't adjust his system. He doesn't. He never has. The players have to adjust to him. I always thought a good coach adjusted to his players, to his personnel. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Melo G agrees with me in the chat room. Jim Buss gets all the blame. Well, the players ultimately play, and the coaches ultimately coach. But Jim Buss was the, play, was the man who chose the coach, and the coach chose the system. And the system obviously is not working for the personnel that they have. It's just not working. It's just not working. And Dwight Howard, he's got to get used to playing with Kobe Bryant. He's got to. He's got to. I don't know how – I mean, Kobe's a tough guy to play with, but he's the best player Dwight Howard's ever played with. So Dwight Howard has to adjust. But Dwight Howard does need more touches. It does need to be an inside-out type of situation. Dwight Howard does – it does need to be an inside-out. But Dwight Howard also has to start hitting his free throws. He becomes a liability if he's not hitting his free throws. He becomes a liability. I think this much is clear. Dwight Howard – as good as he is, he's no Shaq. He is no Shaq. And a lot of people forget how good Shaq was. A lot of people forget how good Shaq was. I mean, he was the most dominating force in basketball there for a long period of time. A long period of time. He was dominating. It wasn't Kobe's team. It was Shaq's team. A lot of people forget that. A lot of people forget about that. 
Dwight Howard's no Shaq. He's good. He might be a better defender than Shaq. But when it's all said and done, he's good. Best center of basketball. But he ain't Shaq. He ain't Shaq. And I, I don't know, if, with the way the game is going, I don't know if we'll ever see another Shaq. Obviously, well, I can't say that because you know, something's always somebody's always going to come around. But Shaq is dominating, and we're not seeing a lot of true centers anymore. There are no more true centers anymore. It's a dying breed. Dwight Howard's still there, Bynum, Gasol, Mark Gasol, that is. But the, the, the age of the true centers are going away. They're going away. They're going away. It is what it is. We're we're seeing a more European type play of uh, play, European style type of play in the NBA. No centers. You got big men who can dribble and handle the ball, shoot from downtown. I mean that's the, that's the type of big men we're seeing. The post up game is in terms of the big man is becoming null and void. It's becoming null and void. Crazy. It's crazy. But it is what it is. I want to go back to the NFL now. And I want to go to the whole situation with the Jets and Darrell Revis. A lot of talk in terms of Woody Johnson coming out talking about the possibilities of trading a Darrell Revis. The possibilities. And the Jets have concerns of whether or not they can resign this guy. And Revis, he can't be franchised. So that throws a little monkey wrench into everything. The Jets at this point, the Jets at this point, do you trade Darrell Revis if you're the Jets? Do you trade Darrell Revis? Can you trade a Darrell Revis, a guy who arguably is the best defensive player in football, a game changer? Can you trade a guy like Darrell Revis, I know he's coming off an ACL injury, but he is Darrell Revis. He is the best corner in the game. He has an island named after him. He has an island. You step on his island, it's a bad day for you. It's a bad day for you. But I look at Darrell Revis, and I think if you look at it, if you're the Jets, I don't think you trade him. I don't think you trade him. I think you almost let this thing play out, see what kind of year he has, see if he's fully recovered from the ACL injury, and then from there you make the move. You figure out where you want to go, whether or not you want to pay him or whether or not you want to move on from from him. Darrell Revis is big time, folks. He is big time. He's a big time corner. But I don't think I, – I, I think you let this whole thing play out. I, I don't think you trade him. I don't think you trade him. I don't you think you trade him. But I do think – I do think you let this whole thing play out. I do think you let this season play out, meaning 2013 season, see if he's fully recovered, see if he's 100%, see if he's still big time the way he was before the injury. And if you feel like he is big time, he is 100%, then you pay the man. You pay the man. 
You pay the man. You got to pay the man. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, Darrell Revis needs to be a New York Jets. You, you can't replace a corner of his caliber, of his ability. And granted, Antonio Cromartie has stepped up big time. He's had a big time. He had a big time year for the New York Jets. He's in the Pro Bowl. He's a Pro Bowler. So he's enjoying Hawaii right now. But as far as I'm concerned, corners like Darrell Rivas don't grow on trees. He's a shutdown corner, one of the best defenders in the game. One of the best defenders in the game. He truly is. So as far as I'm concerned, Darrell Rivas, if you're the New York Jets, you got to keep him. You got to keep him. You got to. But you wonder what the Jets are going to do now. I mean, Rex Ryan is still their coach. So, and they got a lot of questions. Obviously, one big question is your quarterback. Who's going to be your quarterback? Can you trot out Mark Sanchez again? You may not have any, may not have a choice. No one's going to trade for him with the money he's making. And if you release him, it's going to cost you a lot. So, you're stuck with this guy. You got to love him. You got to find a way to love him. You got to find a way to love him. And I know a lot of people are talking Mike Vick. I know a lot of people are talking Mike Vick, but reports are Mike Vick doesn't want to go to the Jets. Reports are Mike Vick had a little some issues with the new offensive coordinator with the Jets, Marty Mordenweg. So is Mike Vick an option in New York? Probably not. And even with Mike Vick, I mean, a guy who has a hard time staying healthy, is that a good choice? I mean, the Jets, the Jets have some cap issues. They have some cap issues as well. Uh, they got a tough decision to make. I, I don't know how you can go in front of your team. I don't know how you can go in front of your team and say Mark Sanchez is going to be the quarterback of this team. I don't know. How you can do it. You can't do it. But if you release them, it's going to affect your cap big time. So it's almost cheaper to keep them. Maybe you can get into his head. Maybe you can surround him with some weapons because he didn't have any weapons last year. Dustin Keller missed a lot. San Antonio Holmes missed a big part of the season. He didn't have many weapons. He really didn't. But Mark Sanchez was at his best when the Jets were grounding and pounding. He was at his best when he was grounding and pounding, when they were grounding and pounding. Well, they really haven't been running the ball that well over the past couple of years. They haven't really replaced Thomas Jones as their running back. I can't – I mean, I know Tim Tebow. He may not even be in the NFL after this season. may not get another opportunity as a quarterback in the NFL. But I, I I look at the way Mark Sanchez played throughout the course of the season. I'm saying to myself, Tim Tebow can't be this bad. He, he can't be this bad. You've you got to give this guy, he should have gotten an opportunity. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Tim Tebow is a big-time quarterback. I'm not saying that because he's not. He, he's not big-time, but I'll say this. 
He has more playoff victories than Tony Romo. He has just as many playoff victories as Matty Ice. He took the Broncos just as far as Peyton Manning did. So, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, I look at Tim Tebow. I look at the way the Jets were playing throughout the course of the season, the injuries that they had, the lack of weapons that they had. To me, I've said this throughout the course of this whole season, that Tim Tebow was a type that could do more with less. And obviously the Jets disagreed. Obviously the locker room disagreed. There was a lot of people who disagreed. But I'll say this. Just like you see the Ray Lewis magic with the Ravens, a Ravens team that was, what, ended the season losing four of the last five games, a Ravens team that many thought would not be in the place that they're at. No one expected the well, I can't say no one, but a lot of people didn't expect the Ravens to be in the position that they're in. No, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't. But you look at the Ravens and the Ray Lewis magic, Tim Tebow has similar magic with the Denver Broncos. It was just magical. It was just inexplicable. It was just something that could not be explained. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Justin Blaylock of the Atlanta Falcons. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. Back. We're back. And we're going to be joined by a guy now, Justin Blaylock of the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons coming off a tough loss to the San Francisco 49ers. I didn't expect to be talking to Justin today, to be honest with you. I expected the Falcons to be preparing for next week's game against the, uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. I didn't expect to be talking to Justin Blaylock today, but we are. It is what it is. And let's bring him in now. Falcons guard, Justin Blaylock. Justin, how are you, man? Uh, all things considered, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. And, Justin, we look at the game. You guys jumped out on the uh, 49ers the same way you did against the Seahawks. You guys were up 17 to nothing and seemingly in complete control. The 49ers would ultimately come back. They would ultimately take the lead. And you look, I look at you guys now, 24 points in the first half, zero in the second half. What happened to you guys offensively in the second half? Uh, I think they – we were playing on a Canadian field or something in the second half, 120 <laughs> yards for us. Uh, you know, all, all jokes aside, um, you know, first things first, they came out and played their butts off in the second half. Um, and before you said that, I didn't even realize it. But, um, yeah, like you said, we didn't do a very good job of finishing the game, uh, something that we've you know, 
try to do a good job of all year long. And, uh, you know, obviously didn't really come to fruition uh, last Sunday. And it didn't. I mean, and you jumped out. Like I said, the 49ers came back. But you had an opportunity, and just like against the Seahawks, you were able to move down the field. You were able to ultimately win that game. I was looking at the game. You were up, you're down 28 to 24. But I'm saying to myself, I think Matty Ice is going to pull it out. Matty Ice is going to do it again. What was your mindset? Talk about the confidence of the team going into that final drive. Well, uh, this this season has really been, or really was, I should say, like a, a lot of storybook endings to games. Right. Uh, I don't want to say we, you know, took it for granted that we're gonna. You know, come back in the end and just, you know, have that same magical, you know, last-minute victory. Uh, but we certainly didn't panic and expected to, you know, move the ball and give ourselves a chance to you know, succeed. And definitely, I mean, I, I just the way you did against the Seahawks. I mean, the way you did against the Panthers in this regular se- in the regular season. I mean, I expected you guys to just move the ball come on down and score again. I mean, I had you guys going to the Super Bowl. I, that's what I expected. That's what I predicted. But, again, give the 49ers credit. They stepped up. And I look at Matt Ryan on that last drive. He, he sprained his left shoulder. How much did that hamper his play in those final two plays? Uh, no, I don't think it affected him one bit. Okay. Uh, he's a very tough, very tough guy. Um, and it was – you know, non-throwing shoulder. So I mean, he'll be the he'd be the first to tell you that you know that's the last thing on his mind when, uh, especially in a situation like that. Uh, perhaps something like that happens early in a game. You know, that might get to somebody. Uh, I guess of, of a lesser mental fortitude. But um, you know, in a situation like that with, with Matt, no no chance it had any effect on him. And I, I mean, like you said, it was his left shoulder, not his throwing shoulder, his right shoulder. So it probably didn't have an effect on him going into that those final two plays of the game. We're talking to Justin Blaylock of the Atlanta Falcons. Justin, we talked about you guys had a 17-point lead, and you guys lost the lead, and that is the largest lead to be lost by a team in a conference title game. Does that make the loss sting even more? <sighs> If it, as if it couldn't get any worse, you had to, you had to go tell me that. Um, you know, when you when you put it that way, I suppose it does, because you're thinking you're so close uh, to you know what you've worked the whole season for. You know, you started training in April and all these, you know, otherworldly things. Uh, you know, in hopes that it will pay off. You know, have a good season, make a good postseason run, get to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, when you say it like that, it kind of just slips through your fingers. Uh, you know, it's like the one that got away. Right. <laughs> and and that, that is the thing. I mean, the reality is in the NFL, you may not get to another opportunity to get to the to this point, and that is the NFC title game, and that that is the reality of football. That's the reality of life, pretty much, because you never know where you'll get another opportunity. And I, I look at this game, and to me, the turning point to me, or one, two of the 
biggest moments in the game was the two turnovers in the third quarter where first the Culliver interception, you guys were moving the ball there, and then that fumble by my, Matt Ryan there where you guys were moving the ball. And, and I thought that was the drive you guys were going to put the game away. Ultimately, you didn't. But how big were those turnovers in that third quarter? Well, they were pretty pivotal, as you said. Uh, we know, you know, we really harp on in our meetings uh, the effect of turnovers in not, not only our games, but, you know, any NFL games, there's all types of, you know, uh, stats out there regarding your chances of winning a game with, you know, XYZ happening. And uh, if you lose a turnover battle, it goes down significantly. So we know the importance of uh, you know, maintaining possession of the ball. And, you know, those those two plays did have a profound effect on the game. Uh, that being said, you know, it's part of the game. And you know, we, I don't think anyone, uh, you know, no one packed it up, you know, after right. anything, any of those things happened uh, by any means. You know, we've had things happen like that all year, and you know, just keep fighting. That's been kind of the mentality of this team. That you know, no matter what happens, we're going to continue to fight and give ourselves a chance. And you, you talked about the fight of this ball club, the Falcons, and we saw what they did against the Seahawks, and we even saw some fight in this game. The play to me that I was looking at the game and watching the game when you guys caused when your defense. Strip Crabtree at the goal line there. I'm saying to my to myself at that point, this is the Falcons' day. I mean, to me, because I just thought, you know, you're stripping Crabtree at the goal line, and to me it seems like you guys were going to hold on. What was your thought at that point? Just like you, uh, I thought, you know, maybe this is really meant to be. Um you know, obviously things didn't pan out quite that way, but um, you know, up to the, the last play of the game, I'm I'm still thinking, you know, there's some kind of way out there where this can work out for us, and we obviously we have you know enough little task in doing so, but uh, you know, I guess we have the never say die attitude, so guys, uh, you know, kind of. Tend to expect something like that to happen at times, almost. And I, you look at it now; this game could mark the end of the great career of Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez—he's still playing at a high level. Talk about playing with Tony Gonzalez over the past few years. <laughs> very, very neat to see the way that he prepares himself and his. Professionalism, uh, day in day out, the way he takes care of himself, you know, to be able to you know, play the way he does, uh, you know, in the twilight, so to speak, of his career, even though you know it could be argued that he's still one of the best in the business. Definitely. Uh, to, to, I mean, to determine the focus, uh, the way he carries himself, just really a um, a good role model, you know, for any uh, aspiring young player, you know, to pattern themselves after. Tony Gonzalez, he's big time. He's truly big time. 
maybe I think Justin, maybe you need to get, get your phone out, text him, and say, you know what, Tony, I think you should come back. <laughs> He's still balling. <laughs> He's still getting it done. If it was that easy, he'd be back already. <laughs> You're right. You probably would have done it if it was that easy. You look at your team now, Justin. I mean, you had a big-time year. You won 13 games this season. You guys won your first playoff game since 2004. Obviously, you want to win the Super Bowl. But how would you categorize this season? Was this season a success or was it somewhat of a, a success? How do you categorize this season? Well, we didn't do what we set out for, uh, but I don't want to, you know, put us in the same boat as a, you know, team that won two games or something like that. Uh, right. Not trying to point any fingers or do anything like that. Uh, I don't want to say it was like, like a throwing away season or anything of that nature, but we did fall short of what we set out to do, and um, you know, it's it just harsh reality of this game right. in a lot of people's eyes you know there's 31 teams everywhere every year that suck <laughs> Pretty no, no, no matter no matter how you ended up you know finishing the year uh, so that's just the nature of this game at the end of the day you're right I mean 31 teams go home unhappy we're talking to Justin Blaylock of the Atlanta Falcons Justin as we said, you guys won 13 games. You won a playoff game. You did a lot of great things in 2012. Offensively, you had some issues running the ball. Defensively, you had some issues as well. What do you feel like you guys need to do to take that next step and ultimately get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl? You know, it's really tough to put a finger on any one specific thing because we had success, you know, in all aspects. Of, of the game, uh, you know, throughout the season, or all phases of the game, I should say. I guess the biggest thing would be becoming more consistent in those things, because, like you said, there were games where we weren't able to run very well. Uh, you know, and that's something that's on all of us to find a way to be able to you know, attack each game the way we want to and have success. And ultimately, I mean, you guys had a great season. You just fell a little short, and I don't know that doesn't really make you feel any better, but you had a great season, and ultimately you fell a little short. And I look at this team, and there's going to be talk. you got people out here talking in terms of your coach, Mike Smith. He's gotten you guys to the playoffs. You guys have had success in the regular season. Not as much playoff success. I mean, is Mike Smith the guy to get you guys to that level? I think so. It's not my call, obviously. Right. But, I mean, his, I believe his track record speaks for itself. Um, you know, there's not a whole bunch of coaches that do have that Super Bowl title, you know, in the resume. Uh, so it's, you know, not fair to be so hasty. Uh, if you look at what we've done, you know, each year, the improvements we've made, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any question that you know, he's the right guy for the job. Because, I mean, I hate to put it this way, but you know, nothing's ever good enough. But that's the mentality you need to have, you know, in this industry. 
Definitely not. You definitely have to have that mentality if you want to be successful in football. You want to be successful in life. You got to have that mentality that nothing really is good enough. And looking at the Super Bowl now, and I, I don't know if you'll even watch and talking to you, you don't really seem uh, all that enthused. But how do you see the Super Bowl playing out, and will you watch it? I, I would be honest. If I was you, I don't know if I would watch it. I mean, I would be that distraught, but. Are you going to watch the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't know. I might TiVo it and watch the commercials or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't uh, you know. I don't watch football in my free time unless you know the Longhorns are playing on TV. Okay. Other than that, I don't really watch. You know, obviously I watch a whole lot in studying, so I think I get enough uh, there. Right. Without going through the whole uh, production aspect of it. <laughs> and Justin, you had a, you had another solid season for the Falcons. What do you think you need to work on in this off season to get better in 2013? <sighs> Just like Coach, you know, nothing's ever good enough. Uh, <laughs> always looking for ways to improve. And uh, you know, I haven't really sat down and thought about it. But I know that there's something there, and you know, to try to go out every day and get better at something, right? Uh, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And uh, you know, I'm sure once I sat down on my couch a little longer <laughs> and uh, just have a couple of introspective moments, I'll, I'll I'll come up with a lot of things. Okay. Uh, but uh, whatever I can do. To make sure we're not in this position next year, definitely. Uh, you know, definitely. sitting on our butts watching the, the game. <laughs> and you know, ultimately, you want to get better, but you're doing a lot of great things off the field and making a lot of kids better with the Justin Blaylock Foundation. What do you have going on in the off season with the foundation? Well, there's going to be quite a bit going on. Uh, we just started a music program at King Middle School. Yeah. So that'll be really cool. Uh, I'm actually going to go down there next week so I can you know, see it firsthand. It's the first chance I've actually gotten to be up close and personal with the, with the kids uh, in that program. I'll have that going on. Then uh, going to visit all the kids that uh, brought the games this year. We have uh, pizza parties in the springtime for all the kids that maintain their uh, GPA attendance and behavior so i'll have all that going on then uh, i go home back to texas do a few more things there uh, workshops uh, camps so it'll be a quite a full schedule this spring but it's it's really a lot of fun right and you know, truthfully i probably you know, get more out of it than any of the kids do <laughs> that's a great thing that is a great thing, and you're doing some great things in the community. Fans, go to justinblaylock.com. Find out about some of the great things Justin Blaylock is doing in the community. Also, follow this man on Twitter, JustBlaze63, and see some of the great things that Justin Blaylock is doing. Justin, pleasure talking to you, man. I know you don't really want, you didn't really want to be here at this point, at this time. You expected to be on your way to New Orleans, but it is what it is. Justin, we appreciate you stopping by. 
nothing but the best of luck to you in the future, man, and let's do it again. Uh, thank you so much. No problem. Justin Blaylock, guard for the Atlanta Falcons, man. Justin, sounds like you really took this loss hard, and you, you look at this Falcon team, I mean, at some point you got to break through. And obviously I didn't expect Justin Blaylock to say that Mike Smith is not the guy for the Falcons moving forward. Obviously I didn't expect him to say anything of that nature. But, I mean, I think the question has to be asked, is Mike Smith the guy? Is Mike Smith the guy? Is he the guy? And I think that question has to be asked. To me, it's it's similar to the situation in Tampa with Tony Dungy and ultimately John Gruden coming in. John Gruden came in, and he was the guy that put the team over the top. They had a tough time getting over the top in Tampa with Tony Dungy as the coach. And ultimately, they had to bring in the closer. And the closer was John Gruden. Well, John Gruden is still out there right now. Not to say he's going to coach the Falcons next year because I think they'll bring Mike Smith back next year. But I'm saying the Falcons now, you have to at least think about it. You have to at least think about it. you got to think about it. Is Mike Smith the guy? Is Mike Smith the guy? We've seen some questionable decisions in that divisional round against the Seattle Seahawks, calling a timeout with 13 seconds, the squib kick there in that particular uh, situation. We've seen some questionable things with Mike Smith. But all in all, do you think about Bringing in the closer. Do you think about bringing in the closer? Do you think about it? Bringing in the closer. John Gruden. I'm not saying he's going to come. I think Mike Smith is going to come back. And as far as I'm concerned, I question whether or not he is the guy, but the Falcons at some point, they got to get over the top, and I think they need some help on the defensive side of the ball. they got to do a little better job in their run game as well. But, you know, this is a team that has the weapons on the outside, Roddy White, Julio Jones. If I'm Justin Blaylock, if I'm Matt Ryan, if I'm Mike Smith, if I'm Roddy White, if I'm Julio Jones, if I'm anybody on the Falcons team, I'm texting Tony Gonzalez. I'm texting Tony Gonzalez, and I'm asking Tony, come on, man. Uh, Maybe they need to do what what the Vikings did with Brett Favre. Maybe somebody needs to to jump on the plane. And maybe they need to jump on the plane and head on out to wherever Tony Gonzalez is at. Talk to Tony. Like, Tony, come on, man. You had a great year. You still ball. You're balling, man. You were balling this year. You balled in these playoffs. You balled throughout the course of the year. You're big time. You're big time, Tony. I think you should come back. I think you should think about coming back. I mean, that's what I would do. If I'm one of these Falcons players, I'm on a plane right now. I'm texting Tony every day. Tony, what's up, man? How you doing? Tony, Tony, what's up, man? You want to come on back? You balled this year, man. You're big time. You're the man, Tony. You're the man. You should come on back. Come on back, Tony, please. I mean, I'm begging the guy. I'm begging Tony Gonzalez. You beg him, too. I mean, Tony Gonzalez, 
In 2012, 93 balls, 930 yards, eight touchdowns. He balled out. He balled out. 16 years in this league, 36 years old. He balled out. He balled out. You got to pay the man. Arthur Blank, Matty Ice, Justin Blaylock, Roddy White, Julio Jones. Let's jump on the plane. Let's jump on Arthur Blank's private jet. Let's go on down and, and, and talk to Tony G. Tony G doesn't want to go out the way he went out. Tony G doesn't want to go out that way. The Falcons are this close, man. But you know what about the NFL? Here's the thing about NFL. Here's the thing about life. Opportunities come. Opportunities go. You got to seize the moment. You've been in these playoffs four times. I mean, three, uh, three, the last three years you lost. You lost against the Cardinals, Matt Ryan's first year. You lost against the Packers. You had the number one seed. You lost. You lost against the Giants. You couldn't even muster up an offensive touchdown against the Giants last season. And now you lose in the conference title game at home to the San Francisco 49ers. Opportunities don't come like that. They, they just don't come like that. When you have a home game, when you have a situation where two years ago, 2010, 13-3, best record in the NFC, the, the, the playoffs in the NFC went through Atlanta. And you lose. And you lose. And you lose. You have an opportunity there, and you lose. And now this year, where you are the number one seed again, playoffs goes through the Georgia Dome. It goes through the Georgia Dome. And guess what? You lose again. In a game that you were up 17 to nothing. 17 and nothing. You got to finish. You got to finish. And you know who has to finish? When your offense jumps out on a jumps out on a team 17 and nothing, your defense has to finish. But that defense was not good enough. That was not good enough. And the question has to be asked and, I, and I'm switching away from the Falcons. But you look at all in all, with the 49ers, they made the switch from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick. The question becomes, would the 49ers have won or gotten to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith as their quarterback? That's a question that we have to ask. And, that's, I, and I think I have a simple answer. No, he was not that guy. Alex Smith is a game manager. He's not a game changer. Colin Kaepernick is a game changer. He's changed the game for the 49ers. He's turned that offense, that offense that was, you know, a decent offense. He made that offense dynamic, explosive. He's big time, folks. There's no stage big enough for Colin Kaepernick. Super Bowl's a big stage. We'll see in another week. But I'll say, as I said before, and I said throughout the course of this show, and I'll continue to say for the next week, I'm afraid to go against Ray Lewis. I'm afraid to say that anybody is going to beat Ray Lewis. No weapon formed against the Ravens shall not prosper. I mean, I, 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 Ray Lewis says it. I'm starting to believe it. I really am starting to believe it. 
I'm starting to believe it. My mind tells me 49ers. My mind is telling me 49ers. My mind is telling me 49ers. But Ray Lewis is telling me that you need to go with the Ravens. We shall see. I want to thank Justin Blaylock for stopping by. I also want to thank Rob Jackson of the Redskins for stopping by. And also I want to thank Chris Harris of the Denver Broncos. You can listen to this show and other shows at blogtalkradio.com slash begin, where you can listen to this show and other shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForAgain. Check us out tomorrow as we'll be joined by Roland Williams of the Oakland Raiders, well, former tight end Roland Williams of the Oakland Raiders. He's going to talk about Tim Brown's comments, and we all heard Tim Brown's comments this year, uh, this past week. For everybody here, go for it. See you later. Take care. Bye.